as you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in the Old Testament to the prophet Jeremiah. Today we're going to look to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 2, a couple verses out of Jeremiah. I got to tell you, I love this church. I really do. I love this church, and I'm very, very proud of her. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of this church's desire to seek Christ and to glorify Him, to be true to His name and to His word, to try to show the love of Christ to others in word and deed. I had the privilege of representing you and representing the PCA, our denomination, in two very special services this week. The first was an ecumenical prayer service downtown. And I was there with others from other traditions, but I was so thankful and so grateful to seek the unity of Christ. And wherever we can be one, wherever we can lock arms with those who worship a bit differently, have a little different theology, as long as Christ is their Savior and they look to His Word as an errant and holy, I was so pleased to be a part of that service. And also... I was just so pleased of our distinctives, of who we are, believing that all that we do should be for Christ and Christ alone, believing that all that we have is by God's grace and grace alone, believing that we can be set free from our sins and washed in the blood of the Lamb, and we can be made holy and a part of God's family through faith and faith alone. I'm so proud that We look to God's Word and Scripture alone as our only infallible rule of faith and life. I'm so proud of that. I'm so proud of a denomination and a church that seeks to do all things for the glory of God alone. After that ecumenical service, uh, we had lunch together uh, as clergy. Um, Again, um, I I did my share of eating. Uh, Always good. It was great because Pastor William Andrews was there. You know, 611 Pastor Andrews. I noticed that when he went through the line, he put one sandwich on his plate. I went and put another one on his plate. So he had two. So that way, when I went through, I could say, well, Pastor Andrews has two. I might as well have two. Thank you. I've uh, represented us well once again. But as we were breaking bread together and sharing how can we show the love of Christ in word and deed, I was so pleased to be able to say, you know, at Orangewood, we're, we're, we're really striving. Not there yet, but we're striving to love one another well, to build a community to try to reach our community and to talk about our job partnership efforts and some of the uh, efforts with Shepherd's Hope and uh, some of the other ministries of Helping Hands that we are involved in, some of our mission projects. I was so proud of Orangewood, so proud of, by God's grace, of what he was doing here in and through us. And then yesterday, wow, yesterday was phenomenal. I wish you could have been with me. We uh, brought into the PCA a Chinese congregation uh, Chinese Christian church. They meet on 1792 in Castleberry. You know that little annex church that used to belong to Northland uh, right there by Dog Track Road? They've purchased that. Uh, it's a congregation that had 64 members join the PCA yesterday. And not only that, but I had the privilege of being a part of a service that installed their pastor, uh, challenged their elders, and installed their elders. And you know, when we worship together and on the screen is, is the Chinese and, and on the screen is the English and when you're singing to our great God together and when we are singing in English and they are singing in Chinese, I'm telling you, it is powerful. 
It's just so powerful to be reminded that our great God truly is the God of all nations. That He truly reigns over the earth that He has created. And what joy, what joy it is to join our voices with brothers and sisters of Christ uh, of different um, backgrounds, different nationalities. I also got to tell you, food was involved. I couldn't wait to get to Fellowship Hall. You talk about a potluck in a Chinese church? I mean, that's good stuff. Really good stuff. I'm proud of you, and I love you. And I believe by God's grace that we are a city on a hill for his glory. But I also believe that God is calling us to more. God is calling us to shine a lot brighter and a lot clearer. To be that city on a hill that reflects more of his glory, his character. I believe this Sunday, like all Sundays, but really this morning, God is going to call us to drink deeper from the truths of the gospel. To drink deeper of the living waters that Jesus Christ himself offers us. I believe what God is calling us this morning and every morning, but really this morning message is all around the fact that we need to examine our lives again this morning. And yes, I believe God's using us and I believe He smiles upon us. But God is calling us to stop. To stop drinking from broken vessels. Broken cisterns. You're going to hear that phrase this morning. It comes from Jeremiah. Those things that we look to to hold water in our lives. Those things we look to to provide sustenance to our souls. That God this morning is calling us to stop. Stop drinking from broken vessels that the world is offering us to drink from. That the world, matter of fact, the world is so rude, they shove them into our hands and into our lips and say, drink deeply. Parents, how many times have you been around a TV set trying to get to the remote control to turn it so quick when a commercial comes because you're appalled at the commercial. You're appalled at what images are going to flash before your young sons and daughters' eyes in a matter of seconds because our world is saying drink and drink deeply from a broken vessel. God is calling us to more. Orangewood, God is calling us again this morning to holiness. Holiness to be separate. God is calling us to be reflect more of who He is as a sinless one. We will never be sinless in and of ourselves. In Christ, we have been forgiven of all of our sins. Praise God. And we are beautiful before the Father, robed today in His righteousness. But the call of the Spirit for this church today is to forsake our sins, to forsake our broken cisterns, and to pursue God and His holiness. Because the pure in heart see God. Because He has called us to be holy. Why? For He Himself is holy. And as we forsake the broken cisterns in our lives and in our community, and we drink deeply from the living waters of Jesus Christ, we will be all that God intends us to be. We will be that city on a hill for His glory. And it's not just for Him and His glory, but that's why we exist. But we too benefit greatly because Orangewood is we forsake the broken cisterns, the broken vessels that we run to and drink from for our identity, for our security, for our life. As we turn again afresh to Christ and say, fill me, Jesus, with your spirit. Fill me with living water. We find life and life abundantly. We find life as God has intended it to be. We find joy. We find meaning.
It's amazing how dull we can be. God offers us so much. Provides for us true living waters. And still we have the propensity to drink. Drink from a broken cistern of the world. Maybe trying to find life there. God forbid. And God forsake, uh, forgive us. And may God cause us this morning to once again turn toward holiness. For he is holy. The prophet Jeremiah called out to a people in the Old Testament to do just this. To become holy for the Lord. Because the people in Jeremiah's day, they did something amazing. They forgot about God. They exchanged the God who delivered them out of slavery, that had given them a promised land, that was then with them. They exchanged this God for the gods of their culture that aren't gods at all. I mean, they were worthless. And Jeremiah was called to preach to them and to say, what happened? What did your fathers do that made you forsake God? How has He not been faithful to you? You're pursuing Broken cisterns. Jeremiah's message fell on deaf ears for the most part. But may they not fall on deaf ears today. Because Jeremiah's message, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is for us today as well. That we must forsake the gods that are not gods that we are following and build our lives on. And look to Christ and Christ alone for living water. Will you turn again with me to Jeremiah 2? Let's look at Jeremiah 2, verses 11 through 13. Catching Jeremiah in mid-thought, telling his people that they had forsaken their God and turned to false gods. We'll read Jeremiah 2, 11 through 13. Mindful, God's word here. It's holy. It's without without error. It will never lead us astray. He loves us enough to give us this. It's a love letter that he wants for you. He wants for your heart, your mind, and your soul. And he wants for me. Jeremiah 2, verse 11. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? What Jeremiah is doing, he's looking at the nations around Israel who had many gods, pagan gods, and they weren't exchanging their gods, even though they were no gods. But he says, but my people have changed their glory For that which does not profit, our God is our glory. We are made in His image. When we are filled with His Son and Spirit, we reflect that beauty and that glory. And God's people were making an incredible exchange. They were exchanging their glory, their God, from that which does not profit. The earth was so corrupt that Jeremiah had to call on heaven to notice Be appalled, O heavens, at at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For why? Look at verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves. Not for God, but for themselves. Broken cisterns that hold no water. A cistern usually used uh, to gather runoff, to gather water. They carved out for themselves and these false gods, cisterns that were broken, that held no water. Let's pray together. Father God, I'm convinced that this morning, truly like every Sunday, but this morning you're calling us 
to holiness. You're calling us to lean into You and the truths of the Gospel so that we can lean in to the truth of our broken lives and the darkness that still abides where light should reign. Father, for those of us here that are Your children, we have the incredible joy and the incredible privilege to come and to drink freely from Your Son, Jesus Christ, through the life we have by faith in Him, to partake of Him by faith, to walk with Him, to receive life in Him and through Him and for Him. But God, many of us continue to drink from broken cisterns. Many of us, myself included, continue to look to the world to provide for us meaning and joy and happiness. Many of us continue to wallow in dark places that we should not go. Father, I thank You for who this church is. I thank You for the light of Christ that shines brightly, that has united us to one another, and that shines for the glory of Christ in this community. But God, may we hear Your call. May we hear Your call for holiness. In order for us to hear, Father, You're going to have to speak. And You're going to have to speak through a broken vessel like me. But You could do that for Your glory and for the health of this church, for Your people, and for those of Your sheep that are here that have yet to embrace You as Savior. Let them hear and speak to them clearly. Father, we pray that our minds would be enlightened by Your Word, that our hearts would be broken by Your truth and softened by Your grace, that our feet would be empowered to walk in a manner worthy of the Gospel. Father, I pray for each of us that they would not look to me a broken vessel because I am like them, needing the Gospel. But through all of this, that we could see Jesus, His beauty, His glory, His holiness, so that we could become more like Him. Father, we pray this in Your Son's powerful name. Amen. Jeremiah says that God's people had committed two gross sins. They had forsaken their God. They had left the source of living water, the source of life and meaning and joy and identity and purpose. They've left God and forsaken Him. And they've turned to what the world has to offer and all of its brokenness. They started to drink from broken cisterns. We're going to look this morning at what the problem is of drinking from broken cisterns. And what actually is happening. What actually is happening is this. Anytime that we as God's family, we as God's children, look to the world and drink from the chalice that it offers, the chalice of success, the chalice of worldliness, where they challenge us that this will bring you meaning and joy and satisfaction. Anytime that we drink from anything other than the truth of the Gospel, we are making a deadly exchange. We are exchanging the glory of God for something that is worthless. Earlier on in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 2, verse 2 says this, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the, in the wilderness, in a land that is not sown. And then went on to say, 
but you have pursued that which is worthless. And you have become worthless. This is what God's Word has for us in this point. God has given us so much. He's given us life and meaning and joy in His Son. And He never wants us to look to the world and exchange that for what it has to offer. Because what we will be doing is we'll be exchanging life for that which takes away life. Exchanging that which we have great worth in for that which will diminish our worth. We will become, as we pursue the world, worthless as those things we pursue. Paul says this in Romans. In Romans 1, if you want to turn there, I'm going to read Romans 1, verses 22 through 25. And Paul's going to look in the New Testament how as sinners, they've exchanged the glory of God for that which is uh, worthless. Romans 1, verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Those sinners like us that rejected God and embraced what the world has to offer. Thinking that doing so, they were so sophisticated, so educated, pursuing life. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. These are idols in our lives. And there's probably none of us here that will go home and bow down to an idol of clay that looks like a bird or or an animal. Our idols are much more sophisticated. It's success. It's worldliness. It's ourself. It's pornography. Sinfulness. Those are our idols. Those are the things that we often exchange the glory of God for, for this world. Therefore, because of their sinfulness, God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Why? Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator, the, the, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Let me ask a question this morning. What are you willing to exchange for the glory of God? What are you and I willing to exchange for God? What will we exchange? Maybe our witness? Maybe willing to exchange that witness that testifies that we are a follower of Christ for what the world has to offer, what are you willing to exchange? I think of my own life so many times of what God is calling me to be and calling me to do and to go so boldly for Him, walking in Him and living for Him and sometimes acting so ashamed. Exchanging the glory of the Gospel, exchanging the truth of the Gospel for the admiration or the appreciation or the acceptance of someone else. Exchanging the glory of God so that I don't have to feel uncomfortable, so that I don't have to feel judged, so I don't have to feel misunderstood. And instead of being like Paul and saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, too many times I live my life as if that weren't true. How is it with you? Right now, what are the temptations in your life? 
What is life knocking at your door saying, exchange that great glory of God for this? Is it materialism? Exchange the glory of God for all the world has to offer, all the creature comforts, all the symbols of success. Exchange them for materialism, God forbid. For many men, it's pornography. We exchange the glory of God and all that He has created us to be and the union that He has created in marriage for what an internet site can provide. I'm here, I hear stories repeatedly and, and read news clips about how pornography is not just affecting the older men, but the younger generation, and not just men, but women and young girls. What are we willing to exchange the glory of God for? Materialism, pornography, worldly success, self As I thought about this, really the image that God pressed in my heart was the sad image of of many girls uh, in high school that were willing to exchange their bodies for acceptance. Willing to exchange their bodies for popularity. Willing to exchange something that God had given them as beautiful, that God had given them for their glory to try to gain something the world had to offer. Mostly it was love. Can you picture folks like that? Maybe that was many of us. That we just long to be filled and we long to be loved and we long to be accepted and we long to be appreciated and we long to be uh, popular. And so through all that longing, because why? Because we're so broken. We were willing to make exchanges and deals to try to find love and popularity and success. But it only leaves us empty. It only breaks us more. And that's the reality of what the world has to offer. Let me ask you, Orangewood, where can we find greater love than the arms of Jesus? Let me ask you, Orangewood, where can we find greater joy than knowing that we're loved by the Father? Where can we find greater acceptance than in our triune God who loves us in Christ Jesus? Where can we find such a love? Where can we find such an acceptance? Where can we find such a joy? And why would we ever pursue anything else? Oh, how we are prone, prone to wander. We've got to realize that the world is thirsty because the world is broken. We're all broken. The world out there is very, very thirsty, just like we are. Extremely thirsty. They're seeking after all of these things to fill the cracks in their life, the brokenness in their life. And we as Christians need to be very careful not to scold them for being thirsty. They're thirsty because they're broken. It's revealing a reality that God is not in their life. They're drinking from the world as deeply as they can because they have a thirst. And we know the answer what that ultimate thirst is for. What's their ultimate thirst for? Anytime a preacher asks a question, always yell out God or Jesus. You'll never go wrong. (laughs) Never. What is the world thirsty for? Yes. And if as Christians we're scolding them for being thirsty, we've completely missed it. We have a higher, greater task. Because what the world is doing is they are drinking from polluted waters. 
They're drinking from waters that think that maybe this will satisfy. Why do they go from one pond and one water to the next? Because they realize it doesn't satisfy. They are drinking from polluted waters. We shouldn't scold them. We should pity them. The church needs to be those that have a big heart for the broken, for the thirsty. And we should be the ones, God has called us to be the ones that draw them to the source of living waters. This is why we're here. We are here to shine for Christ. So that the thirsty, apart from Christ, will be drawn to Him. So they too, by the grace and glory of God, can drink deeply from Jesus. And have them be filled with the joy and the life and the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Let me ask you, church. What do we do when we, God's children, what do we do when we, the church, start drinking from their filthy water? What do we do as a church when we go to their waters and we drink deeply looking for identity, security, life, and joy? What kind of message Are we communicating about the living water of God? What are we communicating to that world when we drink their filth? When we do, we got to realize that they have one less sin than we do. Because they don't know better. But we are being hypocritical. We are forsaking God and drinking what they have to offer. And no longer can we be that salt of the earth and no longer can we be that city on a hill because we're right there in that darkness drinking from the same broken cistern. That is why God is calling us to holiness. That is why God is calling us to be separate because church of the living God, we are to be the colony of heaven on earth. We are to be those set free because of the blood of the Lamb to live such holy and pure lives because God is holy and we've been set free and loved and forgiven so the world can see the difference. So the world can see that we have, by God's grace, drank deeply from the truths of the Gospel. God is calling us, Orangewood, to be separate. He's calling us to be different. He's calling us to holiness. And many of us are drinking from broken cisterns of the world. And He's calling us to forsake them. To acknowledge and to seek, seek after Him. Let me make sure there's one thing. As I, as I wrote this sermon, I want to be very, very clear. When I'm talking about drinking from broken cisterns, I'm not talking, I'm talking about all that the world has to offer. I'm not just talking about alcohol. Okay, I mean, this has been, alcohol has been an interesting issue with the church through the years. Through the Second Great Awakening, we put a lot of moral uh, behavior along with Christianity. And they basically said, listen, if you're a good Christian, you won't drink alcohol. And basically, our Christianity became known more as a moralism than it did by God's grace in a relationship with Him. God is not calling us to moralism. For those of you who have a glass of wine or a cold beer, God's not, as you, if you're of age and you, are, <laughs> and you are honoring Him and you're, you're, you're not seeking it as a God, enjoy. He's not hung up on that. 
he's hung up on those things that we are identifying ourselves with. Those things that we drink from to find life, joy, and meaning. If it's alcohol, it's wrong. You a little uncomfortable? But listen, if we, just, if we just boil this down to morality, we completely miss the beautiful truth of the gospel of a God who loves sinners like us graciously. Live our lives as broken sinners, but let us continually go back to the source of living waters and drink deeply. Our Christian lives should be identified with repentance and faith. Our Christian lives, because we are God's family, because we have been set apart to be holy and blameless, we should continually examine our lives and say, God, what is in our lives that is broken cisterns? What is in my life that I'm drinking from that is robbing your glory? What is in my life that I am pursuing to find identity and joy and apart from you? God, reveal that to me so that I could repent. So I could turn and say, God, forgive me because here's such good news. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and forgive us. That's our God. He's not going to keep whacking us over the head because we're sinners. He whacked his son on the cross for that. But he says, forsake that broken cistern. Turn to me. Live a holy life. And we got to look into the world and say they're thirsty and broken. Of course they are. And God forbid we drink their filth. Amen? God forbid... He's calling us to so much, so more. So much more. When we drink from a broken cistern, Orangewood, we must realize we first must reject the living waters of Christ. Why is he so upset about this? Because anything we put to our lips that's not his, we first must take our lips away from what is his. Listen, anytime we turn to the world, the first thing we do is we reject God. We say, God, you're not good enough to make me feel good in this area. You're not good enough to shine in my life in this area. You are not complete enough in my life, God. I'm going to look to a substitute for you. That is what we're doing every time we look to a broken cistern. Every time we're rejecting our God. I'm so thankful for his mercy and love. That a broken sinner like me who rejects him all the time continues to be welcomed back. But let the weight of that hit us. Every site we click on that's unwholesome, every materialistic pursuit, every worldly pursuit first is clicking away from God. What we're doing is we are forsaking living water for something stagnant. Jesus says this at a great feast in the temple in John 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, and who's thirst? All of us. Why? Because we're broken. He cries out like Isaiah 55, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus says anyone who is broken, anyone who is thirsty, I am the only source for these living waters. Margaret Bradley was a 24-year-old medical student at the University of Chicago. She was also one of you who are marathon runners that I don't understand very well. She ran the Boston Marathon in a few ticks over three hours. An incredible athlete at the University of Chicago as a medical student. Incredible mind. She went on a 27-mile run or hike through the Grand Canyon. 
And she died of dehydration. She had carried that day some fruit, three protein bars, and what she thought she needed was enough water. She didn't want to carry the weight. She carried two water bottles. Why? Because she had the fallacy as a marathon runner, as a world-class athlete, someone who was strong, that she was strong enough to make the journey without having more water. I really believe that's many of us here in the church. We've drank a little bit of living water and somehow we think we have enough water for the journey. We are so broken that living water seeps out of us. All that we do, it gets absorbed around us. We don't have enough water just one Sunday to come and drink. We will not have enough water for the journey. Continually, Orangewood, we need to, because we are broken, turn to Jesus Christ, who is the source of living waters, and drink deeply, daily, deeply. Because we're so broken. We want to run a marathon called Life uh, through all the trails of life and carry limited amounts of water when God offers us fountains of living water that are unlimited. To run, but run with me. And run with me is the source of this living water. And drink, and drink continually and deeply. Hydrate yourself in Christ. The reason that we fall into sin and the reason we drink from broken cisterns is because we're dehydrated from Jesus. And oh how we have a tendency to leak. May God give us the grace to reject our broken vessels and continue to drink from Jesus, the living water, we continually need to be hydrated in Christ. And lastly, broken cisterns can never hold water. Whatever the world has to offer, it doesn't work. It doesn't satisfy. It can't. Isaiah tells us again, as Jack read, Isaiah 55, 1 and 2, For all of us who are thirsty, come. Anyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, we have no bargaining chips with God. None. We're all sinners. We're all depraved. We're all broken. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you and me spend our money, our lives, for that which is not bread and for the labor which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Orangewood, anything that we drink apart from Christ will not hold water. Nothing. Anything that we pursue apart from Christ will not hold life. All that the world has to offer is a broken lie. Jesus Himself is that incredible source of living waters. And the Gospel... Listen to the Gospel. Listen, listen to this Jesus. Do you know Him? Do you know this source? Listen to the, about this Jesus. This Jesus who was sinless. This Jesus who never thirsts, never had to because He was complete. Because He was holy and glorious. So glorious that the heavens declared His glory. So beautiful that angels would fall and worship Him. The One who never thirsts would become man. His name is Jesus. And assume and bear our flesh to walk our life and to thirst, to know what it really was to thirst in life, but to know what it was to thirst in life because of sin. Now wait a minute. Jesus is sinless. Yes. 
He is the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. But on the cross, He cried out, I thirst. Why? Because He became our sin. And He knew what our sin would produce. A longing, a thirst. And the amazing thing about this great God named Jesus is He thirsts so that we could be quenched. Do you know Him? Have you had the privilege of drinking deeply from Him? And if you have, be in awe that He would come and thirst so that we could be quenched. He came to be broken so that we could be made whole in Him. He came and offered up His body as a broken sacrifice for sin and let His blood shed to wash us and to cleanse us and to bring us to the living waters. He was broken so that you and I could be whole. He was separated from the Father on the cross. He'd cry out and say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned from me? Because a holy God can't even look on sin. And when Jesus became sin, He bore the ultimate penalty, hell itself, separation from His Father. And for the first time in all eternity, Jesus the Son and God the Father were separated And He cried out. And Jesus was separated from the Father so sinners like you and I would be able to be brought near. So we would never have to cry out, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? So that He will never leave us nor forsake us. He gives us living water so that we can live. In Orangewood, we need to continually drink from the living waters as we follow Christ. This is what He asks of us for His glory. And listen, this is amazing. This is what our world needs us to do too. To withdraw from their filthy waters of what they offer. To pity them. To love them. And to drink deeply from the living waters of Jesus Christ so that we can be all that God intends for us to be. That city on a hill. That light of the world. Salt of the earth. Rejecting broken cisterns and drinking deeply of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, I thank You for the incredible call. The call to be more like Your Son. To be more like Your character. Holy. Blameless. Without sin. But Father, I know the truth of my life. There's so much darkness still there. There's so many broken cisterns around me that I have the propensity to run to. And God, it's the truth of this church. It's a great church. A beautiful church. A healthy church. But God, You're calling us to more. Father, I pray that Your Spirit would come and do business with each one of our hearts. And the God that You would show us, as painful as it is, the broken cisterns in our lives. The ones we know about, and there's probably some we don't even see yet. But Father, I thank You for the reality of the Gospel that allows us to turn and look at our brokenness because we know that we are loved and we know that we are forgiven in Christ Jesus and we know that we are empowered by the Spirit of the living God. So because that we are loved and because we have forgiveness... We ask for the grace to turn and to forsake and to repent. Father, forgive us.
Forgive us individually. Forgive us corporately from the many things that we have turned to for life and for meaning and for joy. Jesus, forgiving us because every time we turn, we turn from You. Holy Spirit, give us the strength to become more and more holy. Oh, our great God, You truly are great. And oh, how glorious it is to know and to love You. We thank You for the waters You've provided for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.